podcast one production. Jenny Cooney has been a part of Hollywood for 30 years, reporting on all the Aussie stars, from Hoags to the Hemsworths, Hugh Jackman, Nicole Kidman, Margot Robbie and beyond. This is Aussies in Hollywood. I first met Rebel Wilson about eight years ago when she was breaking through in her hilarious role in Bridesmaids. Then she was popping up everywhere. Her musical role as Fat Amy in Pitch Perfect became one of the most popular musicals of all time and she ended up in both sequels too. One thing I really love about Rebel is she's such a hard worker and she's so smart. Nothing like any of the characters you've seen her play. So I was really excited when she was finally able to fit me in and I showed up at her LA office and checked out her absolute treasure trove of memorabilia. Here's Rebel. Rebel Wilson, thanks for talking to Aussies in Hollywood. Yeah. So let's set this up. Finally, in, by the way. I know. <laughs> I know. I've been meaning to do this for a while and been so crazy busy and around the world. Well, you're forgiven. I mean, I'm sitting in your office looking at all your amazing memorabilia already. Oh, yeah. I'm very sentimental, you'll notice. Um, yeah, we have my um, the original Bella's outfit, the fat Amy Bella outfit that I have um, encased in Perspex. <laughs> Um, and hung up on the Aww. wall. I love, I, maybe it's the entrepreneur in me. I think maybe at some point this memorabilia will become valuable. <laughs> so I'm like, or, but I am very sentimental. I keep like cards that people write me and stuff. I have boxes of all that stuff because I like, you know, one day when I'm older I might, might want it. And you have pick, you have frame posters of your movies everywhere, and yeah. the pop doll of Fat Amy, and yeah. wigs, and yeah, I I mean I like to steal stuff off the sets, and uh, <laughs> no, I do kind of ask um, about stuff, um, and yeah, and just like celebrate. It's weird. You can't put this stuff up in your actual house because that would be a bit crazy. But in the office, I'm like, sure. Yeah, <laughs> it's get, business get related. Trophy, my acting trophies and my little signed pictures and stuff. That's a surfboard. That's and a your Teen MTV Choice award behind you. Yeah, MTV Teen Choice, Rebel Wilson. Yeah. Movie actress comedy. Well, that's quite a trophy. Yeah, a surfboard. I've never used it. It just <laughs> sits in the office. But at some point I should take it out. You should. Yeah. <laughs> I doubt anyone who's ever gotten one of those has actually surfed on it. Yeah. No, it's a cool, <laughs> a cool trophy. Yeah, I'm really excited to do this because um, you've got such an inspiring story and what I love about you is that you are already at this point trying to give back in some way with the Australian Theatre for Young People scholarship and stuff like that and you know going sort of paying back what was paid to you yeah well your good friend Nicole Kidman um I was I believe I was the 16th out of 16 people to win her scholarship from the Australian Theatre for Young People I just got in there like just and I, I went to New York um with that money and and then when I returned from New York that was really when I was really would say I was a very prof a professional working actress in Australia and and it, and it really helped that added comedy training in America um, and then I came back and was still on Fat Pizza but a show in Australia but then um, started getting into stand-up and sketch comedy which led to a TV show called The Wedge um, so I was so grateful for that experience and then as soon as I kind of became rich enough I guess I, I returned the money to the Australian Theatre for Young People. Um, 
and then later after that I was like actually maybe I could do more than that and I could um, uh, create my own scholarship and Roseburn and I are doing that now with ATYP and it's great we've got there's so many young talented people um, and as everyone knows in this business it's so hard to get a start and and so at least um, we've been able to help a few people and they get to come to America as part of the scholarship and it's it's kind of working really well so far. Do they meet you as part of the deal? Or? Yes, yeah. We sit down and talk about life and <laughs> and career. I think I'm I think I'm kind of good at career strategy. Um, I don't know what and even sometimes people don't ask my advice about it but I'm like you know what you should do <laughs> I feel like you should do this this and this <laughs> and I'm normally spot on I reckon with what people should do because it's such a hard business and I think it's not uh, it's not okay to just be creative and not care about the business side of things yeah maybe that's my lawyer side coming through um, but I think you need to be quite strategic in certain ways and um, I try to um, encourage people motivate people to think like that and you you did get to thank nicole finally i wasn't there a story where you tried to thank her once at a restaurant that was actually before i'd won the scholarship i was kind of thanking her for coming to see our play uh it was a play a spurboard by nick enright and she was having dinner with russell crowe up at sydney theater company and uh, coming to see our show and i wanted to give her the program (laughs) for the show and then that uh, which I've told the story on a talk show before but Russell told me to fuck off wait can I swear on this no of course you can yeah. um, yes and and then I recounted that story many years late on a talk show and then Russell saw it someone sent the clip to Russell and he's like when I met him at a I think in an Australian awards dinner he said I thought I told you to fuck off <laughs> and we hugged it out <laughs> he he's a brilliant actor like I'm such a fan of his yeah um so of course you know as a comedian you make jokes about people and I've I have been guilty of making jokes about Russell but as at the end of the day he's a legendary actor and um uh yeah and he's uh, I, I think it's just a funny story I think so too and he's <laughs> so shocked he's got a good sense of humor <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> poor Nicole must have felt a little awkward <laughs> yeah yeah I don't know <laughs> you know they but I was probably the idiot that interrupted their intimate dinner or whatever you know their private conversation um but now you're like, on the other side of that you kind of know that people don't really want you to say that fuck off right? yeah 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 no <laughs> I try to be nice to people if they come up at restaurants. But God, people come up at the worst times sometimes. Like as um, kind of having an um, emotional conversation with someone and crying and somebody came up and go, can I get a photo? And you're like, ah. Oh. And my, my friend said, it's not a good time, okay. It's just clearly not a good time. <laughs> but I feel like I can't ever be not, not nice um, because I adore – people who are fans and yeah. who, who buy tickets to the movies and see the shows and stuff. So, yeah, I'm always very appreciative of people coming up. But there are occasionally a few times when you're like, oh, yeah, this is really inappropriate. Also, when you're in the bathroom, when you're actually on the toilet and people ask you, it's, like, really bad. So don't do that to a celebrity if you're <laughs> listening. <laughs> At least until they've washed their hands. <laughs> yeah, but even then, yeah. anywhere inside the bathroom, not appropriate. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's go back to the beginning. I know you're a Sydney girl, right? Yeah. So you're born and yeah. raised in Sydney. Yeah. Um, you had an unusual upbringing, I With gather. The dog showing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that? Your parents were um, dog breeders and went to dog shows. Yeah. Um, so we have a a big 
family legacy with with dogs. My great grandmother started the Beagle Club of Australia, and um, and the dogs were originally brought over from England, and um, most of my family loves beagles. And when I was a kid, my my mum showed dogs. She's now an international dog show judge. I'm very proud of that. Um, she's an all breeds judge and goes all around the world. Uh, but and the way my family made money is we had a company called Petcetra etc that was like this little yellow caravan and we'd go around to all the dog shows on the weekends and sell the dog products and and that's how how we made money and that was like my childhood for like the first 12 years so that was like the family business you all went on the weekends and worked yeah but then I was which I know now uh, like I always had a bit of aversion to the dogs Uh, I mean I used to be a junior handler and show as a kid as well but um I, I, found, I found out later in life that I was allergic to dogs, oh, um, which is probably the reason why I would get so annoyed at the dog shows all the time. Um, I love the food trucks, though. We used to have the food trucks and there was this one pancakes one that I was, like, obsessed with. I would just sit there and eat pancakes all day. But I actually had a separate store where I would sell lollies, sell candy, and I'd make up little lolly bags and sell them and the chocolate yeah, frogs. So you were an entrepreneur they, Yeah, even and then. so I used to make about $100 a day at the dog show wow. which for a kid is not bad that's and amazing and then all the, the lollies I keep wanting to say candy because we're in America but I know Australians will be like oh, why is she saying candy and not lollies <laughs> uh, and then all the lollies would live in my bedroom <laughs> which oh, is kind of and I would eat a lot of the lollies oh yeah <laughs> um but I yeah I, you're making me homesick thinking about Freddo frogs and all I those know. things oh I'm obsessed with them <laughs> I was just in London and they had this shop called Kingdom of Sweets and I went in and they had an Australian section. <laughs> and so I said to my assistant, I've got to buy this <laughs> because, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll be back in Australia in a month, but who cares? I've got to buy this now. <laughs> <laughs> like I ate all the, all the Cadbury chocolate. Oh, that's what I'm obsessed with really. But also the Allen's lollies still to this day. Mm. Love them. So uh, that was tw- for 12 years you were kind of part of that? Yeah, pretty much until I got old enough to be able to stay home and not go. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yes, I can watch TV and, and do stuff. So, yeah, so a lot of dogs, you know, a lot of other dog showing families coming to stay with us for certain shows and um, a lot of travelling around in, in the countryside and, yeah, all around like regional New South Wales with the dog shows and sometimes interstate. We go to Brisbane or Melbourne and Canberra a lot, so... Yeah. So what was your first experience that you remember with film and TV? Were you a TV watcher? Did you love movies? You know Did what? you feel any connection? You know, this is a bit controversial. We were on Burke's Backyard, you know, with the dogs. Oh. Um, although I don't have much of a memory of it, just that my grandma never liked him because he had made some comment about our family's dogs and that caused a thing and my grandma was always like, I hate that guy. Um, and... <laughs> So weirdly, and our dogs did commercials as well, like Pal, you know, really good pet food kind of commercials. Um, So I do remember that happening. Um, The dogs did have an agent too. (laughs) (laughs) They still do, I think, some of them. Um, And um, my first introduction into musical theatre, which I'm obsessed with, was because of one of our dogs. So one of our dogs had auditioned to be in... I think I'm pretty sure it was 42nd Street. Um, 
and the, our dog got to the call back. Oh my god, this is and hilarious! Then, so, so my mum takes the dog to the call back, and the dog had to run across the stage to the actress when the actress called the dog. That was part of the role, and our dog like goes on, just goes into the middle of the stage and poops, <laughs> and then does so doesn't get the job. And my mum was like, "Well, we got to see what dog beat our dog." So the whole family went and saw the musical with my grandma as well. <laughs> and, you know, it was a much cuter dog. I mean, beagles are cute, but they're much cuter, little fluffier like toy dogs that are better um, for that kind of role. And, um, and then I was like, became obsessed. I was like, what is this thing, like musical theatre, people singing and dancing? I became really obsessed with it. Um, How old were you? I was probably 13 or 14 at that point. Um, and you'd never been to see a live musical? No, no. And that was, and I, my only first play I saw was when I was 19 at Sydney Theatre Company. Wow. So I'd seen musicals though before then. But I really thought from where I came from and stuff, like, and I didn't look, I was just a normal looking girl, didn't think, oh, that could be for me. I didn't sing or dance really. or uh, I mean, I liked, enjoyed it, but I wasn't, I don't think I was that good. And that's ironic now, given what you're most famous for. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. I know. Because I say even in high school, I did the plays and musicals, but I didn't um, I was not like the lead role. Hmm. Uh, you know, in Greece, I was just in the chorus. <laughs> and I was like, but now I'm in like I just done, filmed Cats. Yeah. Which is like huge and had to sing for Andrew Lloyd Webber as part of that. <gasps> and it's crazy. Like it's, it blows my mind a bit. I was like, I wasn't good enough in high school, but on the international level, yeah. <laughs> they'll, they'll, they'll choose me. I'm like, how did this all happen? It's crazy. Um, I love but it. But weirdly, I should, you know, thank my mum and, and the dogs. And why I started getting into it as a teenager, I was quite shy. I was very academic. Um, and somebody had told my mum that creative arts is re- a really good way to express yourself and to gain self-confidence and doing things like public speaking or acting can really help your child. So my mum <laughs> my mom bloody um, pulled me into this like community acting class and I was crying, like it was so embarrassing. I was like, I don't want to do this, like no. And I was holding onto the car door and she literally dragged me in and goes, <laughs> you're doing it. And I did it and I was so um, traumatised by my mother doing that to me. I spoke in an American accent in the class and I don't know why, just apart from the fact that I was just disassociating or something because uh, it was so traumatic to someone who was so shy to have to talk and all these kids who were like extroverts and whatever. Um, and every time I drive past that place in Borkham Hills in Sydney, I'm like, oh, my God, that's that community centre. <laughs> <Where I'm laughs> like, How old were you? I was probably like 14 around around that age. So you never went back? No, I did. I ended up um, doing like a little 10-week course or something there. Um, And, I mean, I don't think I learnt that that much but at least it was a good start. And then I remember my – I was an extra on that show Heartbreak High. Do you remember that show? Yeah. Yeah. And so my friend Zara and I were like, yeah, we'll get paid and you get like free KFC because that's what they <laughs> said. They didn't have catering, I think, on the days we were there. They had KFC. And and um, that was the show that um, in boarding school we were only allowed to watch half an hour of television and that was the show we would watch every night. So I became like a little celebrity 
because I was an extra in Heartbreak High and you could see me in some of the scenes. <laughs> I still remember the episodes I was in and I was like – and that was – but again, I never thought, oh, I could be on the camera, you know, I could be a star or anything like that. I guess I, you know, just enjoyed it and had a few little experiences with. Was that the Tara Anglican School? Yeah. I didn't yeah. know that was a boarding school. Yeah, you can board there as well as be like what's called a day girl. And so in my later two years I did board because I was very serious about studying and wanted to study, study very hard. Wow. Yeah. That's right. And then you won, I heard you won second place in the state in food technology. Yeah. Please yeah. explain. <laughs> I mean, I got 100 out of 100. Wow. Uh, I did the subject to get 100 because <laughs> it, was, it was an easier subject. Um, and, yeah, but I guess that was my best, res- best result. I think in three-unit maths I think I maybe got 17th or something, but that doesn't sound as good, whereas second in the state <laughs> sounds really, really good. No, I did – I was lucky to do, uh, you know, great teachers and um, a great education, which I think has helped me and that's why now in some of my charity work I – focus on giving kids good education or yeah. good opportunities. And, but, yeah, I knew I needed to get over 99 in my HSC um, to get into law school. And so, I, yeah, I did, I did, you know, put in an effort to now get you, that. When you went to law school as a University of New South Wales, you, yeah. you did two degrees at the same time or did I yeah. not read that correctly? Yeah, so when you do um, One law, wasn't enough, Rebel. <laughs> I know. Well, when you do law, you have to combine it. I'm not sure whether it's still like that. So I did arts and I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll do theatre and film like that. Um, and I really wanted to get into NIDA, really, which was across the road um, because I had heard of that and I really wanted to go there and actually auditioned like three times and got rejected all three times. And now they've since said to me, oh, it's because you were too good. And I was like, I don't think so. <laughs> I think you guys really rejected me, <laughs> didn't want me there. Um, weirdly, I got myself into like two student productions there, which was weird because I was not a student there. Oh. But I'm just maybe I'm just a hustler like that. <laughs> and got, So I had a little tiny bit of an experience there, but it was more <laughs> A2IP. Um, so I would go to the University of New South Wales during the day and then go to ATYP at night. Um, and it was, yeah, busy times. Wow. I remember so, sleeping so in my car quite a bit. I was going to say. When so I had a half an hour break, I would just sleep. So you were getting a degree, a law degree at the same time each night you were going to classes yeah. for acting. Yeah, because nobody thought it would work out for me as an actor and I'm like, no, nah, I'm going to show them. It will work. But nobody thought, like people thought I was crazy doing acting classes. They're like, Rebel, you'd be a great um, lawyer. You'd smash it. Um, and, yeah, so I always had the backup plan of being a lawyer but in my heart I did want to be an actor at that point. What was the actual moment where you did think like acting was just as likely to happen as being a lawyer? Well, even I think by second year I was on um, Fat Pizza, I think, on SBS um, because I'd done my own plays. I had my own theatre company at 21 too um, and had got noticed from that and got on television but even then, like, no, still my family was like, well, no, like she's not going to make it. Like, she got in one show but, like, how, you know, how good can she be? She's not that good. Um, and but I'm trying to think. I don't know. I, I think that was one of the reasons why I really wanted to come to Hollywood because even though 
um, before then I'd done 13 television shows but still I don't think anyone took me seriously or that I was really going to do this <laughs> even though I was doing it. Yeah. People just were like, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, I don't know, she just got lucky or something and then uh, and that was – I was like, if I can get in one Hollywood movie, people will think I'm legit. <laughs> and because even at the Australian Theatre for Young People, I like I know I wasn't the best there. There were so many talented kids there, and who had had much more experience than me and been doing it from when they were much younger. And so you were doing that at the same time, and then you got your degree. Um, yeah. When did you go to America? With it was the hard. It actually took my degree was five years full time, um, but I did it in ten years. ...because of being in television programs. So what would happen is I'd start the semester... ...and then have to pull out because of um, being on television... ...or I was in a play or, or something. Something would happen and or I had to defer for the year... ...because I knew I'd be so busy. So it took a long time. So I only graduated in 2009. Um, and you just kept... ...you didn't at any point think... ...I'm never going to do this anymore. I know that <laughs> yeah. I'm going to be an actor. Oh, Why and finish? People would think it's weird. They're like, what's she doing in our... I don't know, um, federal constitutional law exam. Like, why does she need to be here? She's on, she's on television. And also, because I, I play a lot of dumb characters, people was like very confused as well as how I got into law school, <laughs> like <laughs> why I was there. And I would I would play up a bit. I would wear some of my fat pizza track suits to the, into the law exams. And people were like, what is she even doing here? Like, why is she? Um, but I just thought it was so hard to get into law school and um, so competitive that I wanted to finish it. And I guess you never know in this business. So I'm like, yeah, I've got to have my backup plan. Uh, and you've never needed the backup plan. It's come in handy a lot. Has it? Yeah. Um, in the early days in Australia, um, I did a lot of firsts, I think, um, on, on this um, sketch television show I was on, I was the only one that owned my own characters, mm. which meant if, I, you know, I could do something with them if I wanted to. Um, I was, a, I think, the first individual that I know of to contract directly with a network, Australian network, not through a huge production company, which was normally how they did wow. it. Yeah. Um, I did a few things. I remember doing my own DVD distribution deal when I had my show Bogan Pride. Um and I'm proud of all those little things. And they're yeah. things that most people don't know about. But, yeah, I'm proud of the little things. And, of course, you have agents who help and um, help facilitate all that stuff. But Does um, your lawyer here get annoyed that you know so much? <laughs> I, well, no, he's awesome. But I did get a talking to when I became more famous here in America about how I don't have to be so involved in the contracts and the negotiations because I'm – normally like to be involved in that. <laughs> but now I'm so busy that I that I can't be and I have you know an amazing lawyer who handles pretty much everything we'll give him a shout out what's his name yeah his name's Warren Dern he also fun fact is works for the LAPD so not only is he a lawyer but he has a cop car um and he's taken me to the training center um and I've got to do some police training with him <laughs> Yeah. Wow. Yeah, he's a firearms instructor in the, with the LAPD as well as being probably one of the most brilliant um, entertainment lawyers here. So the thing with you I, I feel is that you, you're such an overachiever and yet you're so underrated, I feel. Yeah, always. I mean, have you always, always <laughs> felt like that people look at you and see one thing but, you know, I mean, you've just accomplished so much? Yeah, I've always had that where people are like, 
Uh, I don't think she'd be that good or I don't know about her. Um, and then I always feel like I have to prove it in a way. <laughs> um, so how did you have the confidence all along? I weirdly, Jenny, had an internal confidence and a lot of people ask me where that came, comes from or and part of it is the the vision I had when I was living in, in South Africa and I had malaria really badly in the hospital and I saw myself winning an Academy Award, which hasn't happened yet, but I keep putting it out there and I'm like, oh, you never know, like maybe in a few years. Things are going quite well now and I'm like, oh, you never know, I just need the right opportunity and I reckon I could, could get there. Um, but back in the day where like no one believed in me, maybe just like my best friend Nick... But nobody, you know, I didn't really have family support or anything in choosing that as a career. But I knew inside. I was like, nah, you guys will see. Like, I'll, I'll smash it. Um, and I don't know why. I don't know why I had that. Because <laughs> I didn't look like the other actresses that were coming out of Australia and being really successful. And, you know, I didn't really have any family connections and stuff like that. So I was like... The, the chances of making it over here in Hollywood are very slim, as, as you know. Yeah. Like, it's better if you want to be an NFL player, you'd have more, or an NBA player from Australia. Um, but I don't know. And then, it, but I always did have this inner drive and confidence that it was going to happen. Even at my five year high school reunion, where I didn't have the $55 to pay for it because I was so broke and I was putting all my own money into my own theatre projects and stuff and people were like what became of her like that's so terrible oh my god she's so embarrassing and then but then I was like but now they're like oh we see you know she just had to put in a lot of hard work but now it's all paying off for her so that must be fun if you go to another reunion oh yeah <laughs> yeah in subsequent reunions one girl comes up to me and says oh we all know what you're doing my life's so shit in comparison <laughs> Uh, no, I went to school with such great girls and, like, um, yeah, I mean, I, I like seeing what becomes of people. Again, that's that sentimentality and, you know, yeah. remembering people and being like, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's cool for me now to go to a reunion. So let's go back a minute. You mentioned... Uh, Africa and malaria oh, yeah. and hallucination. Yeah. I know that's a pretty yeah, just, big story in your life. Just casually, how the hell did that. you end up there, and I what know. happened? Um, so I took a gap year, what's essentially like a gap year mm -hmm. after high school, uh, which seemed to be the cool thing to do, um, especially when you study so hard. You don't want to be just studying all the time. Um, and got it was a program through um, Rotary International. And I was like the girl chosen to go to South Africa. And long story, but I was a witness in a court case. Uh, yeah. Um, and they were very impressed with my... Kanja, is that the right word? Kanda. Kanda, yeah. Um, and, and that's kind of how I got noticed for that. So, um, yeah, that's great. God, I haven't thought about that in a long time. Um, so, <laughs> so, anyway, I get selected... For this program and basically uh, on it you live in southern africa for a year you get to travel around as part of it which is great and you have to give speeches and you do some charitable um work like we built a rape crisis center in johannesburg and which then got bombed and then we rebuilt it again oh. in the one year and um and just a few thing things like that and you get to experience uh, like kind of real 
Africa and and unfortunately I got to experience real malaria <laughs> as part of that. Was that back before they gave you pills to take before you went? They tried to give me the pills and I had read somewhere that they can cause mental problems and I was in and out of malaria zones all year and I didn't want to take them all year and yeah but so I ended up being the stupid person that got it because I didn't take the pills um which so I would probably recommend people do take the pills but they can make you very sick as well depending on well malaria I mean malaria can be deadly right yeah and I got a very bad strain um where were you when it happened I was in um rural Mozambique I, and I remember the night I went. It must have been the night. When you remember I the mosquito? <laughs> well, what happened is like that night we we're kind of like in like this cattle truck kind of situation. And that night we didn't have time to set up the tents and stuff. And I put my head down on the on the ground to sleep, and didn't put up the mosquito net that night. And um, my whole side of my face, of my like exposed left hand side of the face, got all. Um, it seemed like hundreds that night. Um, and that must have been the night because two weeks later I was in an aerobics class in back in um, Vanderbilt Park where I was staying, which is like a kind of kind of a suburb east of Johannesburg. Um, I was doing this aerobics class and then just felt so sick. And by the next day I was in hospital. Uh, it just it kind of hits you all of a sudden. Um, and then was in hospital for two weeks, lost my hearing because of the drugs that they had to give me. Mm. I, I was really. They kind of should have told my parents a lot more than what they I told I was going to say, did they fly over? Because did everyone... Was, I don't know how touch and go because people can die from it. Um, and the strain that I had was particularly bad and another girl on the same trip had the same. Um, and she had taken the tablets, which is another thing they don't tell you is that you can have some strains that are resistant mm. to, um, to certain tablets. And so, yeah, and then... It was an Afrikaans hospital, which I, I kind of spoke Afrikaans when I was there, but not to, not professionally. And so it was weird. I'm just lying there in hospital, can't really hear, uh, can't really watch TV, and it was just hallucinating on the drug and hallucinating that I was an actress. And then when I came out of hospital, I said, I've got to be an actress. And I left my year slightly early to audition for NIDA, and that was my first audition. Which I got rejected from. I was so I was like, well, I've had the hallucination. They're going to take me. <laughs> I'm going to become a star. <laughs> Didn't work out like that, but eventually, you know, eventually. What were you doing on stage in the hallucination with your Oscar? I was giving an acceptance speech, and I gave an acceptance rap, rather, which I, seems so dorky now. And I think Lin Manuel Miranda did that when he won his Tony. A couple of years ago, so I don't think I can do that anymore because I'm not <laughs> going to compete with him in the rapping stakes. Yeah, wow. Yeah, it's a crazy story, but I don't know. Similarly, when people have kind of near death experiences or whatever, people can experience certain certain things that really change the course of their life, and that for me really was that. And this happened in between you finishing high school yeah, that and was when before I was you went to the University of New South Wales. Yeah. Yeah, but I was already enrolled. I just right. um, they they allow you the year to go on the gap year. So then you just figured out other ways you could continue pursuing it from that point onwards. Yeah, yeah. Even if Nida missed the boat. I know. I was so devastated. That's probably one of the things that and my mum says that she's like, that's one of the things like you didn't get that you wanted. <laughs> and then I'm like, yeah, I really wanted to go there. 
I, I think I would have been the next Dame Judi Dench if I'd went there. <laughs> like I do. I think I would have. I don't think I would have gone into comedy if I'd gone there. Really? Yeah, I think I would have gone full serious. Um, yeah. Do you regret that you didn't start out in drama and now it's harder to kind of go between or? I did start out at A2AP trying to do dramatic acting and then <laughs> people started laughing when I was in that play, in that play that I mentioned before, Spurboard, which is probably my first proper thing acting thing and people would laugh but I thought I was being serious <laughs> so I you know I realized that I had something comic about me for the first time when that happened yeah before that I wouldn't have thought I was funny really in any way I'm trying to get the chronology right here yeah. with bridesmaids when I graduated university uh, the, like 2009 like mid 2009 um, I was like, okay, now I can go to America because I didn't want to go. I wanted to finish the degree before then. Yeah. And so at that point I was 29, uh, which I think is quite late now. Now there's like so many actresses coming out who are like 19. Mm. And I was like, how, God, how do they even know what to do at, at that age? Um and they're also gorgeous and talented, you know, and funny. And um, and so they, they seem to know a lot more. I guess I was more of a late bloomer in that sense in the industry. And, um, and so, yeah, so I was 29. I came over because I'd done an Australian show called Bogan Pride that I'd um, um, produced with um, Tony Ayres and Michael McMahon, who I love, and they ended up... Um, creating matchbox pictures yeah. um, and that show helped get the deal for that big mm. company and wow. I think they're now the biggest production company in Australia. They are pretty yeah. much. Yeah, they're awesome. And then so I'd done Bogan Pride and I'd um, written it myself and starred in it and so that DVD had been passed around uh, in Los Angeles and so I'd got meetings to come over and get represented. So I was like, okay, yeah, okay, yeah, now I'll come. I come over and on my second day, I like remember I straightened my hair and I went in um, to WME and I was like, which I think were just in the process of they were William Morris and then Endeavour merged at about that time, I think, or soon around that time. So I walk in and like, and they're like, we've never seen anyone like you before. Uh, like we don't have anyone like you on our books and we'd love to represent you. And I was like, oh, cool. I said, so what do I do now? And they're like, well, how long are you here for? And I'm like, Where, when and ever, like whatever. And so I ended up, I would think I was only supposed to come for two weeks and I ended up staying for like eight weeks and did a ton of meetings, one of which was with the casting director who brought me in for Bridesmaids was right at the end of 2009 when I came and I got my first job I think around my birthday like the beginning of March so it took weirdly only like three or four months to wow. get my first job which apparently is lightning fast compared to other people um, and I got so close on all these other jobs too and I'd got this other TV job but the visa didn't come through in time I've heard that so yeah many times. so I had to fly back to Australia to get the visa and it came two days too late um, so I missed out but that what were some of the things yeah. that you missed out on that you it saw went on to become like you know really things you were like oh man <laughs> um I don't think anything I mean one was a movie with um Matt Damon 
that's not bad. But, but it wasn't. Didn't end up being his best movie. Oh. Um, but I, I would have had scenes with him that I was disappointed that I didn't get. One I tested for a network show opposite my soon-to-be co-star Anna Camp from Pitch Perfect, and oh. we tested against each other, and none, neither of us got it. The girl, the blonde girl from The Big Bang Theory, Melissa, got it. Who's very talented. <laughs> um, what else was there? There were a couple of things that I was so close to. Um, but I was actually close in Bridesmaids to getting the Melissa McCarthy role. Mm. That was the role I actually auditioned for. And it was me and Melissa battling it out um, in the final test for that movie. And she was always going to get it because she was their friend. Um, but I gave her a real run for, for her money in improvising. And so they added me into Bridesmaids, which I was very... Yeah, they wrote that role for you yeah. as uh, Kristen Wiig's... Yeah, crazy and, and uh, roommate. Is, uh, a roommate, and then Matt and I, which is so weird. Like, because Matt, uh, I've been given like the Little Britain doll and stuff um, by my dad for Christmas, and like, because you're a big a fan of comedy. Little Britain, yeah, love that show. And then all of a sudden, like, I'm playing roommates with Matt, and then we become real Room- life roommates in America. <laughs> because he was a lot richer than what I was and was like, hey, I've got this house that I've renovated and but I'm not going to be there all the time. Would you want to be my actual roommate? Wow. Yeah. And then I lived with That's Matt a Hollywood three story, years. isn't it? Yeah. Three years. Yeah. yeah, he's awesome. He's such a nice person and, and so funny. And he at that time kind of gave me, you know, he'd been through a lot so he'd give me a lot of advice. And Bridesmaid... Um, I'm imagining when that came out, that was also like finally an opportunity. It was such a huge hit and it yeah. helps to be in a hit movie no matter what your role oh, it is, does. right? And that was massive. I mean, it was such a, you know, Paul Feig did such a brilliant job. He's such an amazing director. Um, Kristen Wiig could not have been nicer. I was the most junior person on the set and... Um, and like, yeah, she, they could not have been nicer. They let me do whatever joke I wanted to do. And, uh, you know, I can't thank them enough because in what I came to realise is that not all comedy sets are so warm and welcoming and and yet my first experience in Hollywood was amazing. But I did have to wait a bit until Bridesmaids came out, mm. uh, which was tough. Where you, and I, I think my mum often tells this story too I had about I paid for like an apartment um, this was before I lived with Matt and I had like my hire car done and my furnished apartment done, paid for and then I only had $60 a week, I remember, because uh, I'd say budgeted out things and so all I would do with that $60, I'd go to Trader Joe's to get my food, which people coming to America will <laughs> like uh, know about and then I would go to one movie a week with my $60. Wow. And that would, yeah. But I still to this day get those Trader Joe's burritos, which is so good, the frozen ones. They're so amazing. And they're 96% fat-free. And they're so cheap and, like, yeah, love them. Yeah. Trader Joe's should be sponsoring this podcast now. Yeah, hi, what's up, Trader Joe's? (laughs) But anyone coming to America, you know, trying to make crack it in Hollywood, you you guys will find out about Trader Joe's. It's it's a good supermarket. Yeah, I like their fried rice, actually, their frozen fried rice. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So then you did a a few best men back in Australia Mm -hmm. and then was Bachelorette the next? I did a couple. I did Bachelorette before that in New York. Um, A girl had pulled out and so... 
I was like, yeah, I'll do it. Um, yeah, you sure. had a whole flurry of things in and what to expect. Christina, yeah, what to expect when you're expecting. Um, a little Chris Colfer movie called Struck by oh, Lightning. Yeah. Love that. I love that film. If you haven't seen that one, oh, Chris is so talented and uh, I really loved my For character. people who don't know, Chris Colfer was in Glee. He won a yeah. Golden Globe and he's now a very prolific writer um, yeah. who wrote this book and then made the movie. Yeah, he's, a, he's amazing. Um, but I did a whole lot of little a string of little things of bridesmaids and um and then but the biggest one was probably pitch perfect that i got cast in oh off, yeah off of bridesmaids because they'd seen off takes Kay cannon had somehow seen you know me improvising on the set the scene footage that wasn't in the film but um yeah and she'd reached out via facebook to send me the pitch perfect script you're kidding back in the day when i had a you know an actual facebook <laughs> um then wow. it got hacked um, later and she goes I don't want you to be offended but I've written this character Fat Amy and I think you're perfect for it so I was the first person technically cast in Pitch Perfect and you weren't offended with the name of the not, character not at all I, on an Australian sketch show The Wedge I'd played a character called Fat Mandy that I created myself so no not at all <laughs> <laughs> yeah I found it funny and, I mean, it's sort of like lightning striking again, but this time you were one of the leads. I mean, you know, you went through that yeah. with Bridesmaid. Nobody would have imagined at the time Pitch Perfect would have two sequels and become this no. iconic. It's now the most successful um, musical comedy films of all time in terms of money in the wow. box office. Um, and that's pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome to, to see that. And, I mean, uh, Pitch Perfect 1 was a slow burner... People came, kind of found it and were like, this is incredible. And I remember in the cinemas in Australia, it was on for months and months, which very rarely happens with a movie. And then so when Pitch Perfect 2 came out, oh, it was massive. And then, of course, like we had to do three because uh, we love working with each other. And, um, you know, the movies are very, very fun. And you also got to really sing and everybody got to realise yeah. that you had an awesome voice. Yeah. Um, also... What a lot of people don't know is that when I got the role in Pitch Perfect, for Amy was American and then the director heard me, Jason Moore, heard me talking like this, like with my real voice in, during the rehearsal month and he's like, you, fat Amy, needs to be like Australian and I'm like, no, 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 I've already practised my American accent, I'm, I'm a real actress, I can do American and he's like, no, I think you need to be Australian and he was so right and he really had to convince me for like three days that it was the better call for the character and it turns out, my God, it was and now all my subsequent roles are so much easier and other people want me now to be Australian. They, they like Even won't the pay me as much. <laughs> if I talk with an American accent now in movies, they're like, no, well, we'll chop off a million dollars off your price tag because we want you to be Australian now, which never used to be the case like 10 years ago with right. Australian actors. You're always imitating Americans. And you're, and you're getting a job was always dependent on how well you did an accent or yes. they weren't even sure you could like yeah. a long time ago. Yeah, which is why I pretended to be American in a lot of my early auditions. I never talked in an Australian accent. Ah. Yeah. And now you have to kind of lead with it, right, because people love it. Yeah, once you go on talk shows, that's what spoils it and then people know I talk like this and so, you know. <laughs> yeah, you can't you can't really hide your Australianness at so, a certain point. So, what was that period of your life like? I mean, you had this dream and you kind of you know struggled for a while, and all of a sudden, you know, you're one of the leads in one of the biggest yeah. 
franchises in history. The day my life changed because you know I'd had some success in Australia. Yeah, never won a Logie though. Never, mm. never even got nominated. Thanks wow. a lot, <laughs> Australia. Um, but like. It's not too late, Rebel. Yeah, it's not too Do you reckon I have a chance? Because I'm about to go back and do a drama series, so oh. look out for the ABC. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> no, like never been recognised or whatever re- really in Australia. Um, and then um, to come to America and the day my life changed was when Pitch Perfect 1 came out. That was when paparazzi were out the front of the house where I was living with Matt and I couldn't just go to the mall anymore. Really? I couldn't go out in sweatpants like without someone taking my photo. Um, yeah, I couldn't really do any. It was crazy. It was really. It was immediate? Uh, the day the movie came out, yeah. And and by that point I was, God, I was I think, was I 31, 32? So like I'm not young and this is why I sympathise with a lot of the young people in Hollywood because even me, who I'm so grounded and sensible, I know I play stupid characters sometimes, <laughs> but like I'm really pretty sensible and um, don't really party or anything. And for me, God, it was such a it's crazy when it happens to you. And nobody ever can prepare you for what it's like for people to recognise you all the time in every situation. And... Um, and it's really weird when it first happens. And I remember I had like about a 30-minute breakdown when Pitch Perfect 1 came out. But that was good. Some people have years of breakdowns and you see it very publicly. I had about a 30-minute one where I was like... Oh, Realising like that your is, loss of privacy yeah, forever. Yeah, and I was a very private person and I'm like, no, nah, I'm never... You, I can't go back from this now. You can't just... Even if I move back to Australia, they still remember being in that movie and eventually maybe they might forget but yeah I knew I couldn't I couldn't ever the life your life does does change um but then you got to work with your idol Joanna Lumley in the ab fab movie right oh yeah did that well, live well, up to your expectations yeah, well Jennifer Saunders was she was probably the first sorry woman. Jennifer Saunders yeah but also Joanna is yeah. also oh so gorgeous. It's just like the most beautiful human being ever. Um, but Jennifer Saunders was actually the first person I ever saw be funny. I used to have this casual job at the, um, you know, when they had video stores and I would put on the videos and I was like, what is this absolutely fabulous? Like, and I just loved it. And I would just, I really probably wasn't a good employee because I would just, we had the TV and you could put the videos on and I would just sit and watch it. And so she was the first woman I really saw being a writer performer who was funny and so she's yeah and then she's uh, cameos in isn't it romantic as a favor back to me because i was in the absolutely fabulous movie just as a little cameo which was like the best we'd like film for like three hours and then drank champagne and there's like this little oh my god <laughs> like um cottage near this just like a town. scene from abs fab it was. It was too good to be true. We just sat and drank champagne with Jennifer, Joanna, uh, me and um, this other guy, Rylan, who was in the scene. And um, it, was, it was a dream come true. Every time I get to hang out with those ladies. And then now I kind of know a little bit like Dawn French a little bit or wow. people like Miranda Hart who I really admired too in, in the UK. Um, oh, God, I've got to meet so many people now. It's, it's crazy when you meet people that you respect like that. And your first movie you produced was Isn't It Romantic, right? 
Is that the first movie you're actually... Yeah, that's the first. I technically get what's called an executive producer credit It's because it's my first movie and that's how that studio deals with that. But, I, you know, that that is my first movie that I've produced and I'm so And it's so done really well. It. Yeah, and it's, it's such done... a sweet, funny movie. Yeah, oh, thanks. I always, um, with the stuff I'm developing, try to have really positive messages in it. Um, or if it doesn't, it better be really freaking funny. Um and and isn't it romantic? It kind of really is very similar to my life in terms of love life, and so I, you know, wanted to put that put that out there on the screen. And oh god, it's just done so well. And it's around the world on Netflix, um, so you guys can see it see it there, but only in cinemas in North America. And it's made a lot of money for a small movie, right? Yeah, yeah, it has. Um, yeah, profitable. And then my next one is called The Hustle that I've produced. Dan Hathaway. Dan Hathaway. Um, and so that's coming out May 10th and, um, and that'll be in cinemas all around the world. It's funny now how some things go to, day and to day, the streaming yeah. services and some things go go into the cinemas now and... And then you did Cats. Yeah. Tell and us about I've how that came Cats. about. Oh, God. Well, I've had a lovely history with Universal Studios um, from uh, Bridesmaids to the Pitch Perfect movies and then they were like, oh, you want to do Cats? I'm like, hells yeah. Um, and I'd really wanted to work with Tom Hooper, the director, and um, and Anne Hathaway had given me a really glowing recommendation of working with him and so I'm like, oh, okay, cool. And so I just had to do a Skype call. I didn't have to audition but I had to do like a Skype call where we talked about the character and if I had any ideas. Um, it's a hard piece actually, Cats. Um, you people, play Jenny Any Dots. Jenny Any Dots, um, which was a character I didn't remember <laughs> when I, <laughs> I had seen the show but in London when I was a student when I was 21. So like, you know, when I had no money and was just sitting way up the back. So I didn't, I don't really remember that much from it. But it's a hard piece that ever, anyone who knows that musical, it's hard to do. It's also hard to get any comedy out of it. So I was hired to try to get comedy out of it. Um, and I, I definitely tried my best and I was the first cat to shoot their own song in the film. And it's brand new technology which replaces our skin with fur. And I can show you a picture actually afterwards wow. of what I will look like in the film. And all live singing and dancing, which um, on Pitch Perfect there wasn't much. Maybe 10% was live. Um, the rest was pre-recorded. So it's a different kind of a filming experience. But, my God, the cast is incredible. Judy Dench, legend, who I always joked I would be. And um, weirdly, oh, wait, I should tell you this story. When WME represented me, um, they have to present you in front of their whole staff. Uh, this is our new client, Rebel Wilson. And as a joke, they said, she's the next name, Judy Dench. And then they showed um, my showreel to all the staff. But in the showreel was a scene of me singing with a massive amount of pubic hair, like uh, in this swimsuit. <laughs> and they did it as a joke to say that, oh, he's this great serious actress from Australia. And then they showed my comedy showreel. And they said it got a good laugh. I um, bet. But now Judy, Idris Elba, Ian McKellen, oh, legend. I got to Taylor Swift. Taylor, Tay Tay. And did you have scenes with all of them? Uh, yes. Yeah, because there's one massive scene in the movie that's not in the musical that we, it's a dialogue scene with, uh, yeah, Judy, Ian, um, Idris, Taylor, me, James Corden, and Ray Winston. Wow. And um, Meow Meow, who's Australian, 
who I didn't know of before the film, but she's an incredible singer and cabaret artist who Andrew Lloyd Webber knew really well and so she's in the movie too. What's her name? I think it's Meow Meow. <laughs> I thought that was the character. No, it's that's Kat. what I thought as well. But I think that's her, okay. well, obviously her stage alias or, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but she's she's. Were you Australian. pinching yourself the whole time? Like, or do yeah. you be on that now? Yeah, because I'm like, um, I feel felt very, very honoured to be part of that that ensemble of people and Oh, of course, uh, there's Jennifer Hudson and Jason Derulo in the movie as well who are just brilliant and I got to watch, I mean, Jason's number a little bit too. Um, they're, all, they're all great, like they're all brilliant and I was also I got everyone's signature. <laughs> I was the only person to do this. <laughs> got everyone's signature. I was like on my clapper boards, which are like the little things that you um, clap every time you start a take and because I was like I may never get this experience again so I'm like I'm getting photos with everyone I'm getting my signatures and you're um, good with the memorabilia rebel. yeah I should show you I think they're in the cupboard because nobody else has it and I've got the full cast signed uh, but I just had the, I had the best time um doing it it's it's fun to get paid to to sing and dance and be a bit of an idiot so I did that in a World War Two movie coming out for award season um, this year called Jojo Rabbit. That's um, <gasps> Taika with uh, Taika. Oh my God, New Zealand's best. I mean, there's a lot of good people from New Zealand, but Taika um, is uh, just a dream come true. Director and it's Taika Waititi for yeah. anybody who doesn't know. Yeah, if you haven't seen Thor Ragnarok, Thor Ragnarok if you haven't seen any of those little movies. Hunt for the Wilded People or uh, What We Do in the Shadows. Or, I mean. I've seen all of his stuff. And um, so that movie's got Sam Rockwell and Scarlett Johansson. And that's cool. They're like, that's going to be a cool ass movie. It's I mean, comedy. Is your it comedy? Is a movie comedy? I play a Nazi. Yeah. So, um, oh, yeah, Fraulein someone. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Fraulein Crumb um, in the <laughs> film. And it's full on. Like, um, it's interesting to do such a different character. So is this the drama that you're... Well, I mean, it's going to be funny as well, that movie with Taika's sensibilities, mm. but um, I've got to see the finished movie to see what the mix is between the comedy and the drama. And it must be exciting because it's a great time to be a woman in this industry now and yeah. obviously you and Anne and having a female writer, you probably wouldn't have been able to get something like that made not that long ago. No, a lot of people attribute Bridesmaids actually to be the the start of the the new wave of like women and and women being raunchy in comedy in the cinema um i know there's plenty of women that have been funny before then but the the success of that bridesmaids and then like things like pitch perfect smashed it out of the park so yeah weirdly even though i felt like i came to hollywood later and i would have loved to have come when i was like 21 and given it a go i feel like i did come at the right time and it all worked out for the best now, one question I always ask everybody, um, and most people have a theory about this, is how the Aussies do it. People always say what's in the water. I mean, everybody seems to have a theory like, about... what is it, Jenny, <laughs> about how is... Australia such a small country, like it's less than the population That's my question. of California. How is it that we go out into the world and seem to be so loved and, um, and be... There's so many talented people per... Capita, I guess you is the technical term. And like I'm like I'm always floored by it 
because pretty much all the Aussie actors that I know that come out here like do well and book jobs and and they're all so good and you're like, how does that even happen? I remember at university the, the theory about because uh, our country is quite vast that our personal presence therefore becomes quite big. So uh, even if I'm just talking to you in the room now, my presence is bigger than someone's who say grew up in New York or um, I don't know Beijing where the head, where their living spaces and stuff is a lot more cramped and mm. smaller. So we have a bigger natural presence. I haven't heard that one uh, before. You've never heard that theory? Yeah. It's a theory of our vastness of our landscape mm. in Australia. Um, but I don't know why else. Do you think – I mean, we have a good education system. Well, we have a government-sponsored, you know, industry where yeah. they pay people to study acting and yeah. and train them and and all of that, which, yeah, which I think really, really helps. helps. Um, and, and those soap operas give people so much experience. Yeah, like and then away, yeah, yeah, and then they come over – to America and they're still, you know, they're still a fresh face but they've got yeah. tons of experience and they and know what they're what doing. And that's what I felt like. So I was 29 but I'd done 13 TV shows wow. uh, and all different types and and so I was weirdly very experienced compared to other people uh, in terms of the amount of screen time that I'd had. Yeah. Yeah, just doing a show like Fat Pizza where we got to improvise and travel around the world and improvise on these special little series we did. That's a lot of screen time and a lot of practice in yeah. being funny and being natural on camera. And I think to, to, to come here, the people who do come here are the ones who already are invested in like having a go and not yeah. leaving until something happens. Right? That's what you need to do if I would give advice to people is um, you, can't, you can't just come for two weeks and think it's going to happen for you in two weeks. Like you've got to be invested in, in moving over here for a chunk of time and and I sold everything I have, had to have the chunk of money to be able to do that. Um, I even sold my computer, which I loved at the time. And I was like, oh, but wow. I had to sell everything um, because it, it is quite expensive um, to come here and I didn't want to slum it. I know I slept on somebody's couch for the first few weeks but I was very quick to try to get my own basic apartment. And, but it still costs a lot of, lot of money each month. Yeah. Yeah. So you said you're going back to Australia to make something. Yes, I'm what doing an ABC series called Les Norton um, and with a guy, Alex, who I think was is from Home and Away um, and David Wenham, who I've, I've always really respected and never worked with and I'm sure a, bun- a whole bunch of other really talented um, people and Jocelyn Morehouse, the Australian... Um, film director really, I yeah. guess you call it, you know, is going to direct and so that's kind of what drew me, because, you know, to be supportive of um, female directors and it's going to be a cool, yeah. It must feel exciting to go back to Australia with all of this behind you now, like in a very different place. Yeah, it'll be good. And then I'm doing Sydney Theatre Company later this year as well, doing a play there. Which um, play? The Martin McDonough play, um, The Beauty Queen of Lanan, which was the first play I ever saw when I was 19 at Sydney Theatre Company. Wow, really? So 20 years later I am, I don't know, reliving my experience weirdly by being in it and and hopefully attract people that aren't used to coming to the theatre, um, giving them like a really cool theatrical experience. Because um, sometimes with theatre it can be very inaccessible, yeah. especially at the high levels. And and I'm about 
you know, really entertaining people, you know, they don't have to have a knowledge of theatre or necessarily like it before coming in to see a show that yeah. I do. Yeah. Well, that's great. So you'll yeah. be doing, trying out some drama and doing yeah, some theatre. and definitely being... So the Oscar could be getting closer, although at least a Logie for that one, right? Yeah, well, I, yeah, come on, guys. Like, it's, Im- you know, it's embarrassing to me. <laughs> even been nominated for forget the egot it's all about i know it's all about winning a logie going there because you know i care what australia thinks and i yeah I hope they i hope they do like the work that i've been doing but it's not about the awards but i do but have is. i do have I'm a trophy just... cabinet <laughs> in the corridor <laughs> around the corner and yeah and I, more I trophies sus- in here i suspect they're going to be plenty I do like more the trophies. <laughs> And uh, I think that, you know, I you've been an incredible supporter of the Aussies over here and people don't know that about you, but I remember from very early on when I met you, you know, Joel was hosting an event to support a journalist and a documentary and you just showed oh, yeah. up on your own one night and when we had some little parties to celebrate the Oscar nominees that year at the oh, Consul yeah, General's house. that was cool. Yes, I mean, you've, you've always been... And, and it was great yeah. to see you get the opportunity to be honoured with the um, Australians in Film event and Paul oh Feige came that yeah, night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's, um, yeah, because obviously I love Australia and I always toy with when am I going back and um, and and I'm so proud to be Australian and now and I very much know that I am representing Australia a lot overseas um, just because of who I am, I guess. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and it's awesome but... Um, the Australians that and the, there's a lot of the young girls um, like Geraldine who's in Blockers and and Catherine who's Geraldine in Geraldine Visner White yeah, I, I Catherine know, Langford yeah I skipped out of saying her last name um, <laughs> and you know like these girls are coming up and I was like I'm just so impressed by them they're so talented they're so amazing and you're like God I wish I had your what you have at your young age and um, and uh, like I hope they just smash it and just continue. And I know that if these girls are already doing it, there, there's more young girls out there who really want to, you know, smash it as well and, and make something of themselves. I think Danielle McDonald probably has you to thank too for sort of helping her oh, break yeah. through over here. Yes. <laughs> she, in, on my podcast she said that she didn't get an audition for two years in Australia. She had to come here to get work. Oh, right. No. Yeah. Oh, because well, over here it wasn't the, the typecasting wasn't, you know, there was room for all different types. Yeah. And I know when you did interviews for Isn't It Romantic, you'd said that it's such a small percentage um, of plus-size actresses are... Yeah, what was the percentage? It well, was amazing. Um, the average... Um, uh, I think over 70% of women are considered plus-size right now in America and the average size is size 16 to 18, which is my size. So logically, if you think, oh, if movies... You know, um, they sh- that technically like about twenty six percent or something should be the majority of women. Yeah. You know, of of the films, and it's less than one, far less than one percent of all films made star a plus size female. So, which is weird because they are the huge majority here yeah. in America, but they're it's a body type that's not really represented. Um, as much but I think I think things are changing I yeah. I mean I deliberately knew being bigger that comedy was my um, best chance when I first came over here and are now slowly trying to diversify well look that. at Melissa McCarthy speaking yeah. of someone who got to the Oscars 
you know, oh, I know. I in know. a dramatic role, in a very dramatic role. Yeah, and she was she was brilliant in mm. Can You It's Can You Ever Forgive Me, isn't yes. it? Yes. Um, yeah. yeah, and like I appreciate all those actresses that came before me who who were bigger and and didn't look like that stick thin kind of thing and um and uh, it's but it's awesome cuz I know also just from my career I have paved the way for for other younger plus size girls which is really really cool. Well, on behalf of me, Australians, uh, Aussies <laughs> in Hollywood. I <laughs> oh, thank you Rebel. I'm I'm just I think you're such an inspiring person and you've given so much back already and um, I can't wait to be there cheering when we see you on the Oscar stage oh, one thanks. day. Well, hopefully that prophecy comes true. You just you never know. Um, and then we'll have to have the party for the Oscar nominees and you'll be there. I know. Oh, my God. I'll be campaigning. No, I can't. <laughs> you can't. Um, but... Yeah. Yeah. You, gosh, you never know what's going to happen. I when I first came to Hollywood, my dream was just to get in one movie, like literally, because I thought then I'll be legit. And then now to have done so many, um, I feel really lucky, and everything's just a bonus from here on in. But I think yeah, I'll be doing a lot more producing, uh, and behind the scenes stuff, and um, yeah, and just trying to make cool cool projects. Oh, best of luck! Can't wait to see oh, it. Thanks, Jenny, and thanks for having me on the podcast. Oh, I've listened for... to pretty much every other episode. Oh, have you? It's very interesting. Oh. Like it's very interesting. It's great. Thanks for listening, oh, guys. And thank you. I could talk for about three hundred hours about my life. And um, well, we'll come and do another Hollywood. one in a couple of years, which will be another twenty projects for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah brilliant. Oh, thanks, right. Rebel. Thanks for having me. There seems to be no stopping Rebel this year with the success of Isn't It Romantic and the upcoming comedy The Hustle with Anne Hathaway. I wouldn't be surprised if her premonition of an Oscar nomination comes through sooner than she thinks. We'll just have to wait and see if she's rapping or weeping when that dream does come true. Until next time, that's all from Aussies in Hollywood. Aussies in Hollywood was presented by me, Jenny Cooney, and recorded in collaboration with Podcast One Australia. Audio production was by Nick Slater, and executive producer was Jenny Goggin. For more episodes, go to podcastone.com.au, download the app, or look me up on iTunes. <laughs> <laughs>